This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome, friends, to another r slash pro revenge video. Today, we've got a crazy revenge story involving sending somebody to jail and getting deported. But first, a story from 420 lays it. You made my life heck for the last few months? Well, I hope you've now felt a fraction of what I felt. So, the last eight or nine months of my life have been a total mess because of my job. I started a job at the end of the summer in 2021, which was immensely difficult to get because of UK office job availability slash COVID, so I was thrilled beyond relief to get something. This was fixed term for 12 months, but in the first few months I had gone above and beyond. I started with one set role and because of how impressed my workplace was with my graphic design, I got placed doing poster designs, organizing activities and events, etc. on my own. I absolutely adored it. My manager and I worked so well together, and my chronic pain disability improved as I was relatively stress-free on the job front. This soured quite soon. Because of willingness to take on responsibility, I ended up with a crapload of jobs. And when inevitably I couldn't fulfill expectation, I was berated. My manager's kindness quickly switched, and I ended up being her punching bag. I arranged a whole Christmas fete, brought in no brought in over a thousand British pounds of donations for a food bank, and did so much running around to ensure everything went well that my big toenail turned black from so much physical labor and that still wasn't good enough. The day after this fet, I tested positive for COVID, and I was actually grateful at this because it meant I could have a break. Things got progressively worse. I always thought, things can't get worse, and then they always did. After Christmas, my disability worsened massively, which meant I was in constant agony. I noticed because of my mistreatment the benefits, or normal work treatment, that others were given. I came in 10 minutes late, which was the latest I came in, to avoid worsening my pain by waiting for a less busy train, and I was frog-marched out of the office to be told off about my punctuality, which is when I disclosed my medical condition. Skipping a few months to avoid rabbiting on, I eventually have a meeting with occupational health. After being told a meeting would be set up for me after my disability disclosure, I get my probation extended for not setting up this meeting myself. During the meeting, I brought a letter from my doctors explaining my debilitating pain, its impact, disclosure of other conditions. My main issue was the need to work from 10 to 6, so I could avoid traveling during rush hour. And given that my manager had told others in my team in the same position that they could start 10 and finish at 5, not even making up their contracted hours, I thought this was something that could be done. Occupational health were confused that that was all I was asking, and gave a lot more recommendations than the meeting reason of ways that could accommodate my disability. Anyway, despite my probation extension because of not organizing this meeting on time, 
my manager and her assistant forget about my meeting and don't respond to occupational health with their report and suggested plan of action. I brought it up thrice in this time and was told that they were too busy and they'll schedule it themselves. Eventually, after I raise this with HR, they coincidentally remember and make no secret of, I can speak to them anytime, no matter what, if I need something. You don't have to go to HR, yawn. So they set up a meeting to go through my disability recommendations and decide to do their first ever one-to-one with me, a short five minutes on why they can't accommodate my 10 to six hour change, nor anything else, then 40 minutes on the fact that they will not be renewing my contract. And if I wanted to, I could interview for one of the 16 year old temp roles they offer, 10 pound an hour and a bright green t-shirt. My rent is astronomical at the moment. So going from an office role to that would just bankrupt me. It would not work at all. I was dismissed with shrugs and told I'm literally not needed anymore. My job just won't be needed so I can't stay. They don't have capacity. The next day, I go on sick leave as at that point I'm at a rock bottom. I feel truly defeated. And from the first day of my leave, I'm made to feel like an absolute burden and nuisance. I'm not going to go into details as I've rambled again. The last two months I've been off sick have been difficult as I couldn't find a job to save my life as the UK job market is really hard at the moment. And despite my indescribable relief and joy at not having to go back to that place, I've been really struggling with the thought of being unemployed, unable to pay rent, and then losing mine and my partner's home. I've also not been able to afford to actually go out much and the lack of social contact has been hard even though I'm a big introvert. I give it everything I've got to find myself a job, and lo and behold, this week I find exactly that. A totally work-from-home job, a huge pay raise, and even for my first interview, I got on incredibly well with the people who I would work with. I could not have wished for a better outcome. Today I got my first contact from someone at my current workplace who actually seemed like they gave a freak. Because they hadn't heard from me for months. HR called to check up on me, as one of the CEOs had been in touch, concerned about where I'd been. I had spoken to the CEO a few times after delivering poster campaigns for them, but not much at all. The HR guy said that the CEO had wanted him to ask me how much I knew about my contract ending next week, as clearly there's no communication in heck, and whether I would consider extending my contract, as there's been no advertising, promo, events, posters, etc. in my absence. For the CEO of a very big company to individually request my return, that's a big deal. In short, I think they're really struggling in my absence. I look on their website after my interaction, and what do I see? Today, a new job listing. My role that was, in my manager's words, literally not required as their zero capacity. The fact I got a job last week and now don't have to go back there can only be fate. And now their desperation for said role dictated by a CEO to me honestly warms my soul. It's the pettiest of revenges considering how they treated me and made me feel, but being able to say no to a job I desperately needed only two months ago and knowing they can't advertise without me is deeply satisfying. I found out from the HR guy today that they have the most unemployment they have ever had. A hundred vacancies in a corporation of maybe around 900 staff. Absolutely heartwarming. This is kind of like breaking up with that ex who never treated you very well. 
That ex says something along the lines of, fine, leave, I don't need you, I don't care that you're gone. You find somebody else that's absolutely amazing, and you find out that that ex is torn to bits over losing you. It might be petty to celebrate, but is it fair to get a lot of joy out of watching this company struggle without you? Do you guys think it's justified or something you should enjoy? Or do you think that, honestly, you should just try to move on regardless? Let me know what you guys think down in the comments. Our next story is from I Am The Fly. Revenge on group of cyclists. I live in a village in the middle of nowhere in the UK where a lot of cyclists ride on the road, often in large groups. No issue with that. The issue comes when these large groups go in long lines on the twisty, narrow roads, making it very dangerous to overtake due to blind corners and the distance you have to cover to actually overtake the group safely. Last night, a group of 20 or so cyclists were all going along in a long line not letting anyone overtake by leaving gaps, etc. Then a break in the group happened as they hit an uphill section. I managed to safely overtake before another bend was coming up. Realizing the pack behind me were struggling a little to get up the hill, I slowed down, obviously to give myself a nice gap to overtake, and see what was up ahead, etc. I could see them now getting to stalling speed where they weren't going fast enough up the hill to stay easily upright. I did this for only 30 seconds or so before picking up a bit more speed and before anyone actually had to stop, all fell off. But I must admit, I did enjoy the looks on their faces when they got a dose of their own medicine. As a filthy American who lives in an area that isn't very kind to economical or mass transit, I've realized that I've never really thought too much about the potential traffic and unwritten rules of the road that come between bicyclists. I think this just goes to show that I need to travel some more, if anything just to some bigger cities. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Our next story is from Decapod73, Diane, private messages are private. Summer 2002, fully two decades ago, I'm home from the summer from college, where my parents have cured their empty nest syndrome by filling it with parrots. I do not condone the ownership of pet parrots for a number of reasons. One day, my mom approaches me with an expression between a smirk and embarrassment, and almost whispers, can you show me the grossest pictures on the whole internet? Of course I could, this was the age of shock, and gross out sites. Images from Rotten.com and others like it were popular to link to in a bait and switch in the way people rickroll each other now, but I had to know why first. She was a very active member on a BB code message board dedicated to parrots, their care, cute parrot pictures, etc. Another middle-aged woman, Diane, was the creator slash admin slash sole moderator. She often abused this power. If someone recommended an avian vet that Diane didn't like, or a different training system than the one Diane swore by, or the wrong brand of food, there was no rebuttal. The offending poster comment was deleted, and the poster suspended for a couple of days if they asked why, or reposted. Of course, the members took the discussions elsewhere, either ICQ slash IMChat, users' profiles could include their handles, or private messages. Diane first stripped user profiles of outside contact info, then made public posts admonishing users for things she only could have known by reading PMs. She even outed a member as going through a messy divorce based on what she read in PMs, but adamantly denied that she'd spied on anyone when confronted. Oh, they posted that but removed the comment. They said that in an ICQ chat that I'm in. 
If Diane wasn't spying on PMs, she'd have no reason to be offended if my mom and other power users started PMing each other gross pictures. My mom called slash messaged the people whose personal contact info she had, warned them what was coming, and got permission. Mom looked at the options I offered, goat sea, lemon party, blue waffle, etc., with much squirming and, oh my god, why? She settled on tubgirl.jpg. A photo of a Japanese woman in an empty bathtub, lying back on her shoulders, holding onto her feet with her rear end in the air, featuring a fountain of orange semi-liquid up in an arc splashing down onto their face. Mom added bold text across the bottom reading, Diane, private messages are private. Suddenly there were middle-aged and elderly women in Florida, California, Indiana, the UK, and elsewhere all sending each other this image with this message to Diane, then calling each other to giggle about it and imagining Diane's reaction, Diane banned them all. In doing so, she sentenced the forum to doom. The most prolific posters and advice givers were all banned. She wouldn't provide any explanation to the remaining members, and everyone migrated away to a new forum that had suddenly become active. The admins of this new parrot form were my mom and two of her friends from the Inappropriate Image Rebellion. As somebody who in the mid-2000s spent their fair share of time looking around on forums, whether it was a BB code forum, V-Bulletin, or some other cheapo free generic, this story hits me like right in my heart because it just brings up good memories and good times. Well, besides the whole uh, picture, but honestly, it's pretty great and it does expose that Diane was snooping on everybody. But let's be real, if you did have that power where you could peek and see what was being said, I feel like most people would be tempted to look, right? Like, wouldn't you just want to see what is being said? Our next story is from Jerry Boy one Promise me a great future, then fire me. Visited another country to see our daughter and have the adventure of a working holiday registered with a casual labor hire company, and bingo. I was placed on a two-month assignment with a huge loco-slash-mining-train supplier to reorganize part of their warehouse. I had warehousing, management, and system skills, finished the job in a month, and as I got on well with Mike, the local boss, he kept me on for another month reorganizing other sections and helping him. Their head office was impressed. They asked me to stay on and promised to put me on to staff soon and painted a rosy picture of my place in the company. After several months of nothing happening, I wanted a break. I took a two-week holiday and went to Vietnam. While I was enjoying a bowl of pho, an email arrived sacking me. Bugger. So I changed my bookings and stayed longer in Asia. When I got back, I took another job. And guess what? Mike and my old boss had resigned and the head office were really keen to talk to me about the vacant manager's position. I agreed to the interview. The divisional manager flew 4,500 kilometers to interview me. I attended the interview, got the job, and had the great satisfaction of saying thank you, but no thanks. I mean, this is honestly one of the more satisfying outcomes from any situation where you just keep getting led on. They got that dollar bill on the fishing pole saying, come on, we'll get you another job in a month or another month. It's just so nice for them to come groveling and beg you to come back and for you to say, nah, you should have secured me back then. This next story is from Gee the Metalhead. Roommate accuses me of losing his cat. I prove him wrong and get a free month of rent. This happened pretty recently. I, 26-year-old male, just moved into a place with a friend turned roommate, Kyle, 29-year-old male. 
I had finally saved up enough to move out to my own place, and Kyle's lease was going to be up soon at his current apartment, so we agreed to move in together. After a few months of looking for a place we could afford, we found a decent duplex. Now, I moved in a couple of weeks before he did since I had less stuff to move, and he still had another month on his lease to fulfill. I got most of my stuff in to the point where I could comfortably live in it, but I- A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I still had stuff to move. Even now I do, but that's not important. Kyle had a lot more to move, which makes sense. And he was also bringing his cat. His cat lived in an apartment with Kyle all her life, so moving into a place with access to the outdoors, on top of a completely new town, must have been quite a shock for her. The weekend they moved in, we spent a good few hours moving in a lot of the big stuff, furniture, bed, electronics, etc., while I was keeping a very close eye on the cat since I was worried she would try to escape somehow. Kyle reassured me that she would be fine since she's never tried to run on him, Having lived with a couple of cats prior to moving, cats which loved to be outside, I was a little skeptical, but I figured he knows his cat better than I do, so I just went with it. After helping him move in his first couple of waves of stuff, I had to go visit my mom and sister for a while since I was helping them with some other stuff. About an hour later, I get a call from Kyle, who sounds absolutely hysterical on the phone, saying that the cat got out. I was surprised and also confused because he was pretty adamant about how good she was about that. He followed it up with, Now, I don't want to point fingers because that won't solve anything, but there is a possibility that you might have left the door open. I know he was really trying hard to not use the words, You did it, but that hurt nonetheless because 1. I left before him and his friends were done moving stuff in. 2. He had no concrete proof that I was the one who did it or even any reason to suspect that I would have been the one to do it. 3. He said he never saw the cat leave. 4. Out of everyone there, I was the most cautious about her leaving, even suggesting locking her in a bedroom for a while until we were done moving stuff in. So after hearing him understandably wail on the phone for 10 minutes, he asked me to print some flyers for the lost cat. I didn't have any way of doing it at the moment, so I was going to wait until I got back home. The whole time I tried calling him to tell him to leave her litter box outside, leave some food outside, etc. When I got home, I see at least 8 different pieces of plastic covered with wet cat food in front of the house, plus her litter box on the steps, and still no sign of her. I know that the cat needed some time to adjust to a new neighborhood and environment, but I thought that was a little odd. A minute later, I was bringing in some stuff I got from my mom's place to the basement. For some reason, I remember that my cats used to love to hide in the strangest places in the basement, and I would always spend a good hour or so looking for them. So I decided to look around the basement quick. 
a minute later, I find the cat curled up underneath the basement steps, looking stressed and disgruntled. I called up Kyle a minute later so that I could tell him the good news. When I called him, he was still sounding like an absolute train wreck, and apparently, he went so far as to tell everyone within a four-house vicinity to keep an eye out for his cat, including some random people at a park. Kyle means well, but he's one of those guys you expect to see a story about on r slash stories about Kevin someday. And then he said, I had to spread the word somehow after somebody let my cat out. Staring the cat right in the face, I asked, are you sure you checked everywhere, Kyle? They say, yeah, I'll literally bet you a month's worth of rent that she's not in the house. I say, you're that confident, huh? They say, yeah. Petty revenge activated. Now, this was kind of mean since I was terrorizing a distraught pet owner, but he pissed me off when he accused me of losing his cat with no proof whatsoever. So I decided to follow it up with, you're on. Then a few seconds later, I found her. How would you like to pay for that? They say, what? I say cat's name was under the basement steps, dumb crap. She was never lost. Man, the reaction he had when I told him that was a mix of relief, happiness, and then irritation when he just realized that he got hustled a month's worth of rent. Nevertheless, he doesn't hold a grudge against me for it. Though since then, whenever he's asked where the cat is, I always say, did you check the basement steps? I don't blame Kyle initially for implying it, but it's the fact that even after all the worrying and putting the food stuff out and whatnot, they continue to say, somebody let the cat out. And it's almost like a weird, almost narcissistic thing where they couldn't have been the one that screwed up. Their friends couldn't have been the one that screwed up. Had to be OP because nobody else would be that careless. Our next story is from Aburb, the ugly baby pics. My relationship with my grandmother is not great. I won't go into detail, but she treated me so poorly that I've had to work through stuff she did to me in therapy. I can't diagnose anybody with anything, but armchair psychologists on Reddit would probably say my grandmother is a narcissist. Stuff she's done backs it up. She did stuff to me and my mother when I was a little kid that strays into Disney villain territory. We'll leave it at that. Writing about it would dredge it all up again, and I already processed it out in therapy and would like to leave it alone now. Anyway, I have a very low contact relationship with her after being no contact for a really long time. My reasons are not family. My reasons are keeping tabs on her and another nuttiest crap relative so they can't drop my crap head of a sperm donor in my lap when my grandparents die. He's disabled. Long story. Not my fault or his fault or anybody's fault really. But being disabled doesn't absolve him of being a raging jerk. So here we are. I've already researched laws everywhere applicable and I can very easily prove both abuse and abandonment. So at least the state can't stick me with them if I don't want them. Anyway, there was some guilt tripping from relatives about why I don't send her baby pics or ever talk to her. So I decided to handle it and give her what she wanted. I started sending her baby pics, but keep in mind that this woman is horribly, insufferably vain. I know she wants the baby pics to show off to people. She's had another great grandchild she could show off, but more babies to show off is better in her mind, I'm sure. So I started sending her the ugliest photos of my toddler that I could. Keep in mind, I don't think they're ugly. I think they're hilarious and precious. I adore them. My daughter seems to have a sense of when the camera's on her and always pulls some kind of awful face. We get a few where she looks absolutely angelic and Instagram perfect. 
but grandma never gets those, just the ones where she looks like a demented gremlin. So here's the thing, I know grandma's not going to ask me for different pics, because then she would have to admit that she thinks they're ugly. If she admits they're ugly, it's like saying that someone descended from her is somehow ugly and we can't have that. So I keep sending pics and get absolute radio silence. No asking for pics, also no comments at all on the pics, nothing, exactly what I want. I'm not gonna lie, as much as OP thinks there's an iron defense around this where they can't ask for other pictures, I'm surprised the grandma hasn't still reached out to OP anyways and basically accused them of just taking terrible photos. Not that the kid's ugly, but just attacking OP in a different way. And our final story of the day is from Reddit admin dumb 87 You ripped me off? Now you go to jail and get deported. This happened years ago in Korea. I knew a guy named James. We'll make up his name. James was from the UK. James came to Korea, got a job as an English teacher, got fired for hooking up with a student. Luckily, the student was above age, so no jail time for James. James decided that he was tired of teaching English and James would just work at his friend's bar under the table. I just so happened to go to that bar from time to time. I had heard James had gotten fired from his job. I had inquired if James had gotten another job or was married. He wasn't, so I assumed he was now staying in Korea illegally. I, however, felt it was best to just stay out of James's business and let James be James. I'm not him. His life is not mine to lead. One time, James asks me if I like to smoke weed. I tell him back home I did. He tells me he sells weed on the side and if I want, I can buy from him. I decline as weed is super illegal and I don't want to go down that path. Again, I'm not James. His life is not mine to lead. One night, I'm at the bar James works at. My bill comes out to 78,001, around $60 USD. I give James 100,001, two 50,001 bills to pay. I'm supposed to get 22,001 in change. James hands me back 13,001. I begin to walk out and notice he's only given me 13,001. I go back to James and put this out and tell him he must have given me three 1001 notes instead of two 10,001 notes and two 1001 notes. He tells me I'm just trying to rip him off. We have some back and forth. I end up giving in and saying screw it. I tell the owner later about this. The owner gets super pissed off because apparently I'm not the first customer who has done this. Also when James works, it's not uncommon for James register to come up short. I ask the owner why he doesn't fire James, and the owner tells me he feels really bad for James. I decide, you know what, screw this crap, Korea's had enough of James. A good Korean buddy of mine's dad had just recently retired as the chief of police. I figure my Korean buddy dad knows some cops in the force, and might enjoy a nice tip-off. Let's call my Korean friend Young. I go to Young and I tell Young the story. I also tell Young how James is also selling weed and is here illegally. This goes to his dad, who gets to the police. However, for whatever reason, they can't seem to catch James in the ask, and immigration is being slow. Then Young approaches me and says the special investigator would like me to try and buy weed from James. Now I'm nervous. I'm scared I might get wrapped up into this whole ordeal and go down with James. Luckily for me, I had just recently got divorced and had hired a Korean lawyer, so I went to my lawyer for advice. He referred me to his co-worker who's a criminal defense lawyer in Korea. The criminal defense lawyer did charge me to consult, but said he'd talk to the special investigator on my behalf. 
Long story short, they want me to go undercover and buy weed from James. I'll be mic'd up, and if I'm successful, they'll pay my consult fee with my criminal defense lawyer. My criminal defense attorney also promises me that I won't get in trouble, that I'm merely being used because James trusts me. At this point, I want my money back I spent on the criminal defense attorney, and I'd like to help out the bar owner who's a buddy of mine and get revenge for James. So I agree. I tell the investigator I'll need a few visits and chats with James to get him comfortable with me, but I think by the third or fourth chat, I'll be ready to make the buy. So I spend the next few weeks going to the bar where James works, and I'm pleasant with him, chatting him up, being nice. Then on the third visit, I tell James, Hey man, do you still sell? James says he does. I ask how much. He says 75,001 a gram. I tell him I want two grams and I'll bring 150,000 on Thursday. He tells me he'll have it. I tell the investigator James has agreed to meet me on Thursday at a local CU before he gets to work and that he'll have two grams with him. The investigator tells me they'll have police nearby the CU and when James comes up, I need to confirm that he has it and then I need to text the investigator. At this point, I should tell James I need to pull the money out of the CU and at the same time, send a text to the investigator that James has it and they'll come and arrest James. I'm also told it's very important I don't actually handle the weed myself. Nervous, but screw it. That Thursday rolls around, I get to the CU early. I decide I'm going to drink a bottle of soju to not be so nervous. I see James walk up. He sits down with me. I ask him if he has the weed. He says he does. I tell him, great. I'm holding my phone so I text the investigator. I tell James, I need to pull money out of the ATM. James says alright and asks, can I have a shot of your soju? I tell him, sure, go ahead and finish it. I get up. I'm being slow on purpose. Felt like forever. Just then, two Korean cops walked around the corner and two Korean cop cars pulled up. The investigator points to James and James is placed under arrest. Much to my surprise, I'm also placed under arrest, which was not a part of the plan. James yells at me and tells me I set him up. Confused, I go, screw you, I'm also getting arrested, and we get put into separate cop cars. So now I'm sitting in the back of a Korean cop car, wondering what the freak is going on. This wasn't a part of the plan. I didn't actually break any laws. I even had a lawyer help me with this. So we take off for what I assume is the police station. However, when we get to the stoplight, I notice the car James is in keep going straight, and we take a right. In broken English, one of the cops say, Don't worry, be happy. I'm really confused. We take two more rights, and it dawns on me. We're going back to the same CU. CU is a convenience store. We stop just outside of the CU, and I see the investigator waiting. I get taken out of the cop car, and they take off the handcuffs. I get out, and the investigator says, I apologize, but my boss suggested we handcuff you in front of James, so it doesn't look like you set him up. And I go, oh, well, it would have been nice to have been told that ahead of time. He apologizes and said it was a last minute suggestion. I then ask, so what will James be told when he doesn't see me at the police station? The cop said, you'll be told you were sent to a different police station to keep you two separate, but you're free to go. For your information, Korean cops were fairly gentle on me. I was in shock being handcuffed though. As for James, I suspect James made a deal with the cops on his supplier, I'm assuming, because James only ended up spending a few months in Korean jail before being deported back to his home country. 
And that's how I got back at the guy who ripped me off over 9,001 or about $7. After everything, at the very end, OP says, yeah, I did all that over $7. I'm sitting there like, wait, OP went out of their way to take time off, consult a defense attorney, show up to the CU, go along with this drug bust over $7? I mean, it's definitely a pro-revenge, but OP was fighting for a lot less than I would have settled on. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another revenge story that was way crazier than any of the ones in this video, click on that left video. Or, if you missed my latest video, check out the one on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.